whether this passage that we have today where Jesus has been asked a question and he brings an answer is ever used by the spin doctors that we see that have trained the politicians to answer a question because it's the classic way they would do it a question gets asked they accept the question they bridge it to what they want to say and give a new move into the conversation you take what's given at the start and you put your turn on it Jesus is asked about which commandment just isolate one forget all the others just which one is the greatest and he knows that you can't isolate it you cannot narrow it down so far but he gives one and adds another in the things upon which our life are based God and others and our need to love now commentators don't always agree about this passage as to whether the questioner was trying to catch Jesus out or whether he was actually giving him quite an easy question the temple where this takes place and the place where teaching and questioning often went together it's not like in this service where I bring the sermon and normally you sit there and hopefully listen and hopefully learn there was a far more time of interaction an understanding of scripture was shared and then questions would be asked and a bit more would be shared and people would grow and learn that way rather more like what we do in a house group than perhaps what we do in the church that's not to say sometimes we might not do that it's maybe not what we're used to God's people in the first century had been searching for a greater understanding of the law and some of them that went to try and search for the law and its greater understanding saw that the way to do this was to impose more and more and more rules and there was very much a legalistic sense there develop it well if it's this then what's the next thing so you develop a new rule but there was this other train of thought that comes out in the teacher asking the question of Jesus can we make it simple could the Torah be wrapped into one simple easy law that everything else could be understood out of 
what is the greatest commandment? And so Jesus is being asked something that was often asked, something that was often debated. And perhaps he's prepared for that. Because his answer is quick, and it comes from the Shema, the words that we find in Deuteronomy 6, which are normally recited by Jews in the morning and again in the evening. It's when they get up in the morning, when they go to bed at night, when they rise, when they lay down. And at other times too, when there's a special service, they will say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Notice, however, that as Jesus says this, he adds in the word mind. There's an extra element. Think about what you're loving. Think about what you're doing. Children from a young age would have been taught to say the words of this prayer. It would trip off a rabbi's tongue far more easy than we even say the Lord's Prayer. It was well known. And therefore maybe difficult for the questioner to say anything against. Perhaps it was what he was expecting to hear. Something simple. Something encouraging worship of God. But Jesus doesn't leave it there. He doesn't just answer the question. He bridges it to something else. He moves it on. He immediately goes from the idea of loving God to loving others. He goes from pointing upwards to pointing outwards. Just as we did in our children's song earlier. You're thinking about God loves you and how we get that element. Now we might, if asked to think of a passage about loving our neighbour, think of Jesus telling of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Who is my neighbour? And the neighbour was the one who came to the rescue of a stranger in distress. The Samaritan is someone that if we can overcome or inherit racism, maybe we can love them. Someone that we should be able to love. And likewise... We have love for the victim who was left lying there in the street. But the truth of the matter is, we're challenged to love all people, including the robber who left the man lying there, and the priest who walks past on the other side. 
And perhaps to emphasise this, we can think about where this second important commandment comes from. It's in Leviticus 19. And it's in the middle of a really long list of laws. Now, some of these laws are things that we still uphold, and some are things that we probably ignore. Did you all check the labels of the clothes you put on this morning? Because one of the laws in Leviticus 19 would say you mustn't be wearing clothing woven of two different types of material. It's hard to find cotton trousers these days that don't have a little bit of some sort of artificial fabric in there. Do not cut the hair at the side of your head. Wonder who gives that instruction to the barber when they go there. But then, of course, there's the others. Do not practice divination or seek omens. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Many commandments. But Jesus chooses one from in among them. He takes a verse and then takes just the second half of the verse. The original line suggests love in a situation that would require forgiveness. It's about not, re- not seeking revenge or bearing a grudge. These are the people we are to love. Those that you might think about revenge. Those that you might bear a grudge against. Now, you are to love them. In this shortened command, it stands well alone. And perhaps removing that first half of the verse gives it extra meaning. Meaning that if we don't know Leviticus, let's face it, it's maybe not one of them books that we turn to very often, that we still get the meaning from. We have the challenge that we are to love. And so we must think before speaking of people. And think of how we react to events. And think about our actions each day. Do they show love? Or do they show something else? Do we use our finances in a way that shows love? And when we've got our huge trolley of shopping and the person that's there at the tail and Sainsbury's maybe using language we don't like like the person that Val encountered when they're there maybe even in front of us do we still love them?
when we hear the politician tell the interviewer something that we think is wrong, do we still love them? When we are let down by someone we have trusted, do we still love them? We are called to love. Though, of course, being called to love doesn't always mean keeping quiet. The verse immediately preceding the call to love our neighbour in Leviticus 19 says, Rebuke your neighbour frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. Maybe love sometimes involves speaking out. The teacher of the law who has questioned Jesus has an awakening in the temple and realises that this place where offerings of lamb, of goats, of doves and other creatures, not to mention grain and other produce, this place is to be a place of love. And that the thing that God most desires is our love. And that's where generation after generation had fallen down among the children of Israel. They'd gone wrong. It had become strict obedience to the letter of the law that was required. Bringing gifts had become a duty that had replaced that sense of fun and that desire to love God. We are called to have a loving relationship with the one who loves us. To have a heart which is led to him because we want to be here. Because we want to praise And at the time that we go out the doors, at the end, a heart that continues to show love for our neighbours. And we're called to love because God is love. He's never stopped loving the people of earth. And for this reason, God revealed himself in Christ. And he took the punishment for the sins that we've done wrong. For all those laws that we've broken. For all those times that we get in a muddle. For the times that we've failed to do what we should. Christ takes the punishment. The things that would stop us coming close to God are taken away. Because Christ, who loved his Father and worshipped him, showed true love, choosing to die in our place, that we can be forgiven. As God's people, we're not called to have a ritualistic view, but we come here because of our heart. 
we come here because of God's love. And I hope we come because we have love. Amen.